All right, if all those who are kindergarten through fifth grade, if you guys make your way up here for your class, those who are three, four, and five-year-olds, uh, you guys can make your way to the back where you're, you'll meet with your teacher. All right, good to be together, and if, if all we accomplished this morning was to come together and sing, oh God, you are good, and do it repetitively, that's, that's a good morning, Right? Just to recognize that our God is good and he's worthy of our attention. Some of you got up and would rather have hugged your pillow this morning, but you're here this morning. Yeah, 10 o'clock. Who's hugging their pillow? But anyway, you got up because God is worthy to come and say, God, you are good and you're worthy of our praise and our attention. So uh, it's good to see you all this morning and have our opportunity. All right. Take care, Logan. We'll see you, buddy. (laughs) <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you've been with us, you're, you're, uh, let, me, let me kind of uh, uh, bring us all together. If you're new today, I welcome, especially if this is your first Sunday. I don't think I met anyone that's new. That doesn't mean you didn't slip in, but we're walking through the book of Acts, and it's been... For years, I've gone through the book of Acts and read through it, but every time I pick up and go through a book, even one that I'm familiar with, it is an adventure for me. It it lifts my heart, and I get excited, and uh, it encourages, and it even brings me to some times of on my knees, God, please forgive me, that I'm not as zealous for you as I see taking place in this book of Acts. Have you been there? Wow, what's going on in the book of Acts is, is very exciting. So I'm loving this book. And, and the journey has been precious to me, and I hope it's been good for you. I hope you're gleaning some new things, and, and especially leaving with encouragement. And, and, and if you have questions, and you're still stirring with those questions, I haven't heard from you. So please uh, throw questions or comments or anything like that. I, w- I would love to hear from you on that. I, I'm probably best suited for getting with a small group, and let's talk about this, being prepared and letting you interact. I love that. So every once in a while, an amen or something uh, uh, is helpful to me, knowing that you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. You're on it. Uh, last week, last week we, we dealt with Acts chapter 13, so we want to turn there. We're going to get back into Acts chapter 13. My intent was to do 12 verses, and all the way up to, to, to last week preaching, I just thought, how am I going to keep that within the contents of the time that we're together and I failed, and I did the first three verses. But it, it really is a pivotal time, as I've said. If you are here last week, you've heard that. You're going to hear it this week again. It is, it is kind of a transitional time uh, within the book of Acts, just in the theme of, of who Luke is writing about. This, this apostle Peter, and, the, and actually the other apostles are mentioned, but the focus really is on that Apostle Peter. And, and a lot of the, the main stories in the first 12 chapters has been on Peter. And, and, and now it's changing in this chapter 13 to a guy who begins named Saul later on at, within this context. Just like he just mentions it. Okay, this Saul who's also named Paul. And the rest of the way, he's called Paul. So what we're looking at is actually his uh, his his missionary journeys. And, and we're going to read, in, beginning in verse 4 of that Acts chapter 13, his, the beginnings of his first missionary journey to the, the island called 
uh, Cyprus. Just a couple things before we go ahead and read, uh, open there. Acts chapter 13, 4 through 12. The entire time that, that fits within this historical book of Acts is, is 35 years. Approximately 30, you know, give or take. Uh, about 35 years. We have already covered 15 of those years from the day of Pentecost until what we see taking place in chapter 12 uh, and, and, and now coming to Antioch. Uh, there's approximately 15 years. What we're about to dive into from chapter 13 all the way to, to chapter 21 are those journeys of Paul. Uh, three specific journeys of Paul, intentional going in a direction, taking the gospel message to cities, and, and uh, uh, coming, coming back. It's, it's going, then coming back. Each one is counted as, as a journey. Uh, in chapter 21, we see Paul is arrested, and, and from 21 all the way to 28 is another 10 years, and, and that is the time after, after Paul was arrested, uh, the travels all the way to, to Rome, we see him still uh, doing ministry. And so that's what we have ahead of us. Uh, Paul's journeys and then Paul's being arrested and, and some of the, the trials before officials and things like that's going to take place. So that's where we are. Right now we're looking at the beginnings of his, this first journey. I, I, again, I said it was to this island of Cyprus. Give you an idea, Cyprus is about the size or pretty comparable to the island of Jamaica. How, how many of you have been to, on the island of Jamaica? Oh, a few of you. Okay, okay. Uh, but you know, that's a little closer. I thought just maybe some have been there a, a little uh, a, pretty long and, and narrow along the way. Uh, what we're going to see is Barnabas and Saul make their way across that entire island as part of this first journey. So let's, let's read that account starting in verse 4 uh, through verse 12. In verse 4 it says, so being out, uh, oh, so, excuse me, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went, went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bargesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elamus, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, there's the transition, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed. When he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Here's, here's what we've seen definitely so far throughout the book of Acts, is that, that God has moved forward with, with power. 
Isn't that, that what we see concerning the beginnings of the church? God moving and working through his church. And, and as we move forward, we're going to continue to see that. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what I want to look, to, look at today. Is, is, is As we're looking at what, what Barnabas and Saul is doing now, Paul and Barnabas, uh, what, what they're doing and, and how they're working, it is absolutely according to what God is directing and enabling them to do. Do you see that? Everything we've seen uh, previous has been God enabling, equipping, empowering, and, and so the church is moving forward according to what God has enabled them to do. So I, with that, I, I make that statement uh, that, that God has equipped us as the church to go. As Jesus commanded us to go into the world, make disciples, God has equipped his church to do that. And, and so there's just really, simply in, in the beginnings of this, this missionary journey, I want to look at a couple of things, just a couple of points uh, this morning to, to focus our attention upon as, as to how God has equipped us. What has he given us as a church, uh, and what has he given to, to Barnabas, or to Paul and Barnabas, to 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 go out and, and, and to be that power of God, to, to take that message out. The first, the, the first item is absolutely the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. We can talk a lot about the Holy Spirit when it comes to the book of Acts, right? He shows up in chapter 2, and it is continuous throughout. Matter of fact, I think there's like f- at least 50 occurrences where the Holy Spirit is, is mentioned. Empowering, moving, working. And at least 30 occurrences where it says that, that the Holy Spirit has spoken. And we see that happening today. The Holy Spirit leads the church. We need to know that. Uh, we, we absolutely need to know that he's involved. Let's, let's take a look just quickly back to what he's been a part of. And in Acts 2.38, we know that after Peter spoke, uh, part of the message was, uh, you know, when they said, what do we need to do? He said, well, hey, it is, it, you, you need to... Your belief in Jesus will take you to that place of repenting and, and baptism into Christ. And, and God's response is he's going to give you forgiveness and, and that gift of the Holy Spirit. Everyone who then believes, receives Jesus, also receives that Holy Spirit. The significance behind that is, you know, we, we talk about being holy and God calls us to holiness but do you understand that, that with the indwelling of that Holy Spirit, we are people who are set apart? Matter of fact, that's what holiness is. Holiness is being set apart, being separate, being separated as a holy people. And that's who we are as believers. He makes, he's the one who makes us holy. We're not holy by ourselves. Anybody? Anybody? Got the holiness, you know, got that down without the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I need his presence. I need that forgiveness of Christ in order for me to live a life that's going to be uh, pleasing before God. So the Holy Spirit's a part of that. Uh, and, and throughout Acts, uh, what the, you know, looking at the apostles, how they were identified before the Sanhedrin, they were, they were looked at and said, man, when they were addressing why they were, they were doing what they were doing, going into the temple and teaching, uh, and, and they were being questioned, uh, the, the Sanhedrin said, well, man, these, these guys are common men, but aren't, what's up with them? 
And I do believe that that power of the Holy Spirit has enabled them to speak with eloquence. Matter of fact, the comment that was made is, these men have been with Jesus. So that's the Holy Spirit working within them. Later on, we see Stephen. And, and we could recognize that Stephen himself uh, was full of the Holy Spirit when he spoke to, to those crowds that were listening. And, and his boldness and his message came forth because of the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. Uh, later on, Philip, how he was moved and directed to go to the Ethiopian eunuch. One man to, to take the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch, led by the Holy Spirit. Peter and, and the Gentiles receiving, uh, re- receiving the Holy Spirit or, or being included into this story was through the power of the Holy Spirit. On that day, just, you know... You know, uh, uh, an act just like the day of Pentecost. There, the the Gentiles were identified as being accepted by God uh, through the action of the Holy Spirit. And and even as we get to this chapter thirteen, we see the the Holy Spirit leading and working in the church. And it basically in two verses, where we started in verse four, but also last week in verse two, where the Holy Spirit spoke. I wanna I wanna address that because what does that look like? I'm thinking, what does that look like? In verse 2, uh, in verse two, it says that the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the works with which I have called them. What did that look like? And, and then later on, verse 4, it says that, that the Holy Spirit sent out Barnabas and Saul. What does that look like? Uh, here, here's, uh, let, me, let me answer that simply. Uh, uh, our, our best assumption is this. Amongst the five leaders that's part of that Antioch church was, who were identified as teachers and prophets, uh, they, these are men speaking on God's behalf. Uh, it's believed that, that, that through the Holy Spirit, uh, whether one of the prophets or a couple of the prophets received a message from God, and, and then they shared with the group, hey, we need to send out Saul and Barnabas. And so their response was, hey, okay, we need to send out Saul and Barnabas. So in all simplicity, some, somehow, whether, whether it's in a vision or, or somehow through the prophet, they spoke uh, that message. And then when it says that the, church, that, that the Holy Spirit sent them out, it was really through the action of the church, the activity of the church. As the leadership was led and they received that message, what did they begin to do? Pray, fast, lay their hands on those two guys, and they sent them out. Exactly what the Holy Spirit led them to do. It really is simple. It's not, it's not you know, uh, overblown or anything. And the reason why I think it's important to, to talk about this, well, what about today? What about today? And, and the truth is this, and I've, I think I've addressed this, and I will continue to need to address it because I believe that the Holy Spirit is absolutely abused today. The, the Holy Spirit is absolutely, there are those who are making claims of doing the wonders and signs that we see throughout the book of Acts. We, we see that happening. Uh, uh, there's abuse of signs and wonders. You know, those who are uh, trying to imitate all they can out of the book of Acts. And, and uh, uh, whether in speaking in tongues or, or healing claims. Now, with that, i got to say, God is able, right? I, I believe what happened in this book of Acts was amazing, and it drew people, and it accomplished exactly what God wanted it to do. It drew people so that they would listen to Jesus. And, and when it comes to how do I identify when someone is abusing that, that work of the Holy Spirit, 
I, one, one of the greatest indicators to me uh, is that where, where if I'm speaking in tongues or if I'm healing, that, that it is all the attention is on that person. Every, every finger, finger is pointed to that person and, and they're either up on a pedestal or they're filling their pockets with cash. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? It is about them. It is about them. It's, I, I need to feel accepted and therefore I'm going to act out in that. But the truth is that the Holy Spirit is coming all throughout the book of Acts has been intentional in one direction. That all the attention is going to who? Jesus. It all points to Jesus. And so if the Holy Spirit is working, you're not going to see the person who, who is claiming the work being elevated or identified or filling, their money, or filling money in their pockets, okay? That, that's just one of the easy indicators of, of the Holy Spirit and his work today. He is working. That's a fear of mine that we see those saying, boy, we don't want to, we don't want to be along with those who are, who are abusing the Holy Spirit. I don't. But the Holy Spirit is working in the church today. And if you are in Jesus, that Holy Spirit is working in you. Go back to last week. We talked about how do we identify that? How do we, how do we work with that? It is about giving him our attention. Let's talk a little bit more about that. What does it, what does it mean for, for the Holy Spirit to give us his direction? To direct our lives and help us in how we live. You know, did you know the Holy Spirit was really busy for a long time before the church? <laughs> you know? And, and, and how it was written, how it was put down. Matter of fact, um, in the written word, Hebrews chapter 1, 1 and 2, this is how the beginning of Hebrews be, begins. Uh, there he says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. That means these prophets were receiving the word of God, and then the prophets would go tell uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and, and, pro and, and kings, and they would transfer that message. So there was speaking uh, directly from, from prophets to, to humanity. That's how I used to do it in Hebrews. But then it says, but in these last days, isn't it interesting, the last days is that time uh, of this writing around that time of Jesus and the apostles and the work that's going on. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus, Jesus is the word. Remember John in chapter one said, he is the word. He is the word. He is God's greatest message to humanity. He came into this world presenting a righteousness that, that does not equal to what, what was written down and, and to what was you know, attempted to be lived. He, he came and presented righteousness and then faced the cross. He came as a message, and, and his greatest message is, man, how God loves his creation, how God loves his people. So much so, John 3.16, that he went to the cross and died for us, for those who believe will not perish but have everlasting life, right? John 3.16, very clear that, that God has, has used his spirit, has given to us his message, his direction. Now, along with that, is, is God able to work in me, lead me maybe in a direction I need to go? I believe that's true. I, th I think that is, that is what we need to pay attention to. What, what about my life? What do you want to work in my life? Will we turn to the scriptures? We go to Galatians chapter 5. What does he say there? Walk by the Spirit. 
and not by the flesh, you know. Uh, also, I think even better yet, uh, a passage out of Romans 12, which I believe a lot of people are familiar with, says, Paul, Paul pretty much says the same thing, a little more condensed. He says in verses 1 and 2, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's who we are. That's who we are. He, he's appealing to those who have received Jesus as your Savior. Hey, live in this way of, of, of being a, a sacrifice before God. Just as Jesus sacrificed, you know, uh, to, to live for him. And then verse 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, to those of us who are believers, we're no longer living according to the things of this world, but we're, a, we're living according to the things that transforms us. Where do we find that? Where do we, where do we find the things that transform? Why are we so up on the scriptures? Why are we so focused? And any Sunday, it is a bad Sunday if we're not talking about the scriptures. That's God's message to us. That's, that's, I'm, I'm not sitting around praying and, and setting the Bible aside and saying, God, what, what message do you have for him this week? I'm an idiot if I set aside the scriptures and I'm not reading it and preparing because I want to bring to you what he says, not what I say and what I think. That's one, someone who, who speaks today. Uh, one of the things that, that I, seems to happen a lot of is our people are saying, well, the Lord told me. Have you heard that? Uh, have you heard people speaking, the Lord told me? And, and I will tell you, I think that is absolutely reckless. It's absolutely reckless in a way to speak. I, I do appreciate uh, the message that God, I feel like God is leading me. I, I think that I, I'm looking for God's leading. I could tell you, say, well, I, I believe that God is leading me. And, and God at any time could interrupt me and turn me another direction. I'm, I'm, I'm ready and willing. I want to be attentive. Uh, I, God definitely leads us. And so through prayer and pursuit. Let me, let me give you an example. Uh, I, I, I thought about Travis. Uh, Travis is my son, my oldest son. And he, he was ministering in Wichita uh, along the line, I can tell you the story about he, he, he just began to have this passion about playing in church. And it involved a lot of people around him who, who talked to him about it and even saw that in him. And so uh, he decided to plant a church. And so I called Travis. I said, man, how is it you decided on the location in Wichita to plant a church? Yeah, there's all areas. Matter of fact, he told me that in, in some of the plan, uh, the, the church planning uh, groups and, and teaching. He said, go to a new area where there's, there's uh, uh, lots of, of young families and, you know, kind of a growing area. That's where you need to go plant a church. Well, Travis went into the old dying part of Wichita. It's, it's across the river from like downtown Wichita. It's called the Delano District. It's called the Delano, uh, no, uh, the District Church. That's what it's called. Anyway, and so I asked him, I said, okay, how did you decide on Delano? He, and, and what he shared yesterday was, was kind of significant. And I, I see this even working in my life over the years of, of coming uh, to different locations and making choices. Um, he, said, he said, well, there's a vertical approach and, and also a horizontal approach. The vertical approach is, is in my prayer and, and you know, being attentive to the word and listening to God's direction. And so, so he and his wife both praying felt that direction to, 
to plant a church. And then along with it came people who were leaders and, and significant people that's added into his life began encouraging him. Didn't turn him around, didn't say, hey, I don't think that's your direction, but he encouraged him in that direction so he could see, well, God's leading in this direction. He did the same thing in choosing Delano. It, it really began, and I didn't know this, but, but I have a sister who, who said, have you checked out Delano? Just a simple, you know, and it was always added to something in his mind. Well, I'm going to check out Delano. And not only her, but there's like three or four others that said the same thing. Have you checked out Delano? One of the reasons people were noticing Delano is because there was churches in that area closing their doors. One major Christian church in that area uh, was, was dying, and they had closed their doors, and, and like two or three others were on the verge of or had already closed their doors in that area. It used to be a very thriving area and had some pretty significant churches there. Now they were down in number, and, and uh, they're closing their doors. And they're, they're just closing. So it's spiritual. There's a spiritual decline in that area. So that was an interest to Travis. He went uh, to the community. He went into that community, Delano, and checked out some organizations. One was the Historical Society of, the, of, of Delano District. And, and he said the way they received me, the way they were excited, there was kind of like a welcome mat there. And, and there was a ladies group, I cannot remember uh, the, the term they used, but they even met with this ladies group and they were excited about the potential of them coming in and starting a church. So he went to the scriptures and are actually where Jesus sent, sent out the, the disciples. It meant if, if people turn you, turn you away, say, you know, just reject you, you wipe your feet off and leave. Remember that part? But if they, if they lay out the welcome mat, then that's a place where you're going to present. The, and so he, he just felt the, uh, that, that God was all in this vertically, and then everybody else was confirm, confirming horizontally. And, and just so, so he and Nicole, and along with my other son Brady, were just excited because they felt very much so that God was leading them into this district. God works and moves. What does he have for our church? Pray for your elders, because that's the question, you know, we present with each other. We have this mission laid out. I, you know, and, and actually this week as I was looking, I said, where are we engaged? I, I love the fact that we're going to Alpha Christian Children's Home. I love the fact that we went into the community and did some ministry and, and things like that. But where are we with the very specific mission of taking the gospel into our community? I, I want to be more engaged that way. I'm convicted. Like I said, you read through the book of Acts and you become a little convicted. I don't want us to be comfortable here. Anybody else like that? I, I got to be careful because I, I remember praying and said, God, make us uncomfortable. And then COVID happened. So got to be careful. I, I don't know. It has it is, it, shaken it is the church up. We've lost some people. And, and we've gained a lot of great people. I'm so pleased with that. I, I want God to be working and moving and that we have a mission that we're focused upon in taking the gospel out into our community. I better continue on. I want to get caught up in that. Anyway, there is a second advantage. You think two points would be a quicker sermon, right? But uh, the second point is simply this, is truth. What else has God given to us that, that we wouldn't have otherwise? He has definitely given us the Holy Spirit. Praise God for that. He has definitely given us the truth. Do you hear that? 
the truth. Isn't, wouldn't the truth be a refreshing? Wouldn't it be? Absolutely refreshing to know the truth from the God who created us and brought us into this world. They were equipped with the truth. Especially when you look at verse 5. What did they do? They went into Salamis. Salamis was on the, the very east part of that island. That's where they started. They, they got off the boat and they, they went into the synagogue. And they began doing what? They said they began to proclaim the word of God. Well, we, do we know the word of God? Absolutely. It's that message of Jesus, right? It is a message of God sending his, his son into this world to bring us into a right relationship with God through Jesus. That was the message that, that they went to present. Uh, they went into the synagogue. And that's going to be a continuous, uh, continuous uh, what do you say, habit or, or, or procedure that, that Paul will do as he goes into every city. He'll, he'll begin in the synagogue to tell the Jews. The message to the Jews is this, that the Messiah has come and we know his name. We, he, he's, identified, he's been in this world and he presents this message. And he lives today. I mean, all that's in there. Uh, also, uh, to the Gentiles. We're going to see this. I'm not going to spend a great deal of time. But there was a message to the Jews. And there's a message to the Gentiles. With the Gentiles, it begins with, hey, we know who God is. We know the one true God. You know, amongst them. Now, listen. They had assistance. Do you see that in the second part of verse 5? His name is John. Or identified as John Mark. Uh, do you know who John Mark is? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He's the same one who wrote that gospel of, of Mark, that, that story of Jesus. Many think that, uh, and I, I think it's a, a pretty good idea that he wrote according to Peter's own stories of Jesus, his eyewitness accounts. And matter of fact, uh, I believe that Mark himself knew Jesus, saw Jesus, uh, and, and saw even the resurrected Savior. So it says that Mark came along and assisted. Do you understand that, that part of their declaring the truth? Here's an eyewitness to Jesus. He heard Jesus. He saw, he saw the risen Savior. And, and so, Mark, will you share with us what you saw, what you heard from Jesus? Do you, do you understand the strength there is of having an eyewitness, especially if you want to know what, what is true? Show me. You know, it's that idea, show me. Here is Mark who is telling them directly of all that he saw and heard, what he even heard from Peter. Uh, how, how valuable is it? Let me just emphasize, how valuable is it that we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Eyewitness accounts of Jesus. From, from birth to his death to his resurrection to when he was lifted into heaven. We have that word written for us. And we're able to share an account. It's not stories that we've heard written in other books. This is it within the scriptures through the Holy Spirit, through their remembering, through eyewitnesses that they laid these accounts. You, if you haven't spent time going through, a lot, of, a lot of folks who have never been through the scriptures, I say, start it with those gospels. Let's start with Jesus. And then go back to Genesis and, and, and read all the Old Testament. But start with Jesus. He's the focus. He's the focus of our faith. He's a focus of what God has given us. He is the truth, right? He is absolutely the truth. Truth is opposed in, in this scripture, especially within this story. Verse 8, guy named Bar-Jesus. 
which means son of Jesus or, me, or son of Joshua. But son of Jesus is, is what's written down here. Uh, he's also named Elamus, who is identified as a magician. Uh, he is a Jewish false prophet. All that is contained within that verse, identifying who this man is. He is a, he is a advisor to Sergius Paulus. Sergius Paulus is, is like the, the, the government, governing authority over this island of Cyprus. And, and this Bar-Jesus, who is a magician, who is uh, Elamus, this false prophet, Jewish false prophet, he is, he is the counselor or an advisor to this government official. And as, as, Bar, as Paul and Barnabas have made their way across this island, Sergius Paulus is, is, is interested who knows how long, you know, that message of Jesus has been, you know, all the miracles and everything that's been happening. Who knows what Sergius Paulus has already heard? You know, man, there's this story about this guy who rose from the dead. Now there's, there's some following going on. It's taken place in Jerusalem, and that's beginning to spread. Well, it's now hit his island. And so Sergius Paulus is saying, hey, I, I want to hear these guys. I'm interested and so here comes Barnabas and Saul, or Paul. I got to get that right. Paul and Barnabas now. That transition is going to be difficult because I've been trying to keep it the other way. Paul and Barnabas comes into the courtroom uh, ready to, to say, and guess who interferes? But this false, this Jewish false prophet. He, he, he raises opposition, maybe speaking to Sergius, interferes and, and begins causing trouble. Remember, he's a false prophet. Here, here's something I think that's important for us even to think about today, that, that there are people who find great advantage in being dishonest. Isn't that, isn't that true? There, there are people today who will, are willing to tell lies in order to keep their, their income coming in. We're, we're going to see throughout the book of Acts conflicts that Christianity has because People feel threatened by the message of this truth of Jesus. This truth of Jesus. Sergius Paulus was a little concerned about his position as advisor. He knew, he knew what he was speaking. He was speaking on behalf of God, or so he said. And yet he himself uh, knew that, that uh, his, his role... His dishonesty could be found out through men who are coming to speak on behalf of God. And it threatened him. And so he stood in, in opposition to them. Um, I, I think about, again, thinking about today. Here a couple of weeks ago, we stood along the street at Heritage Park. I was holding up a sign that basically said uh, that abortion ends life. It, it is a truth. It is a truth that, that you know, that, that many across our nation have been taught, no, no, it's a choice. That it's not ending a life. You know, that's not a life until it comes out of the womb. That's, that's a lie. The gender issue right now. Uh, saying that there's more than two genders, not from the scriptures. God created male and female. That, and and I, I, I will absolutely tell you, I believe that there are backing of some some a lot of dollars behind each of those issues. Some people patting their pockets or, or attaining power politically through those issues. 
There's a lot of lying going on in this world. And this world is absolutely full of lies. Do you, and, and the way Jesus told his disciples, man, you're going to be hated in this world because of it. Play, it's interesting. This time, I've always quoted Jesus what he said concerning that. But Plato comes along. This, this philosopher comes along and says the same thing. He said, no one is more hated than the one who speaks the truth. No one is more hated than the one who speaks the truth. Oh, this world is going to hate you. <laughs> You're going to find trouble in this world. Why? Because you, you, uh, you are bearers of the truth. You are to carry about with you that truth. And, and let me tell you what, very clearly, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up, and it comes in that verse 12. This fact is that the truth is salvation. The truth of Jesus brings about salvation in lives. So what they have, what they're bringing, what, what they're bringing to this government official is, is that message of Jesus. That saving message of Jesus. To release people from their bondage of sinfulness. To, to make things right with their creator. I, I, you know, in this story... Uh, I, I can't miss this, but what did Paul do? He condemned him. He, uh, he, he brought this condemning judgment upon him. When, when he tried to run opposition, uh, Paul just, you know, I, I think it's verse 8. Yeah, verse 8. No, excuse me, verse 10. You son of the devil. His name means son of Jesus. He said, you son of the devil. Uh, uh, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of God? Call him a villain, a, a, full of deceitfulness. And then he acted, and, and, and he laid his hand, or the hand of the Lord was upon you, and, and he became blind right there. He became blind. What's interesting is, do you remember how Saul came to know Jesus? Do you remember that? Let's see. Jesus himself, uh, you know, condemned Paul for what he was doing. He went to his knees. Why are you persecuting me? And, and then Paul was blinded, had to be led around, and then, then received that message of, of, of Jesus, the full message of Jesus from, uh, as he went on into Damascus and, and then received Christ. We don't know what happened to Bar-Jesus. Did he possibly uh, convert, uh, begin to believe in Jesus as well? We don't know. There's, there's no continued story. But we do know what happened with Sergius Paulus, this government official. Uh, and, and, and make no mistake, it wasn't just through the miracle that took place. That caught his attention absolutely. But what it says in that verse 12 is that he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Why? Because it was true. It was true. It was true. And he received, he believed in Christ. That, that, that's an amazing part of this story. They went forth with power. What, what is it that God gave to, to Barnabas and Paul, the Holy Spirit and the truth. That's what they were armed with. That's what the church is armed with today. What do we think? The church is powerful. It continues to be powerful unless we become comfortable. <laughs> unless we become comfortable and we, we no longer are impassioned according to what Jesus did for us. Unless we, we lose that, that passion to go and let others know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And that through him, they could find that release from their sinfulness and, and be included in the kingdom of God as his children. Wow, what a message we have. Wow, what is, I, I hope that going through this book of Acts is, is you know, I'm, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is just reviving us and drawing us, that, that man, throughout this week, we're going to be uncomfortable unless we begin to share Christ with others around us, to have that message to share. A few more. Let's add a few more in there. No. <laughs> I want you to be on board. Not with me. I want you to be on board with you know, what his scripture says and lays out for us, right? Oh, man. Let's, let's do that. Let's pray. Let's take that before the Lord. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this gospel, this truth that has been presented in his word. Lord, uh, we believe in a risen Savior, Jesus. It's been laid out to us according to your word. Eyewitnesses, written accounts. And, and Father, we believe today that, that through Jesus we are saved. Uh, we, we have identified our own sinfulness and have come in repentance. And we've identified with you in that death and, and resurrection through our, that baptism, uh, Lord. And it, it, we know it is according to our faith in Jesus that today we have this confidence that, that we are saved, that we belong to, to you. And so, Lord, we rejoice in that. And along with that message, Father, we pray to be able to, to speak to the community around us, those who don't know Jesus, family members, people we work with, people we go to school with, our neighbors, uh, people we just meet every day. Lord, we pray that they are coming to know Jesus because we're going to have that boldness to speak it. Lord, work your spirit within us. Work that truth within us. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.